Welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, aka Colette Prosper. I'm a TV writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from Nicole Richie lighting her hair on fire during her 40th birthday dinner, oh my goodness, to a very white winner circle at this year's Emmys. Um... This week, uh, I'm going to be talking about how to make moves in Hollywood with writer-director Christina Thomas. Christina is absolutely lovely, lovely person, super talented. She's somebody that walks the walk and talks the talk. She's a hard worker. She always puts her best foot forward. So I wanted to talk to her about... um, you know, career stuff. And then also I wanted to talk to her about surviving last month's earthquake in Mexico. She was there. Uh, also, uh, I, I had other questions for her. She worked on the movie blind spotting. Uh, I didn't get, I didn't have enough time to ask her that. I also wanted to ask her about the coin toss, um, at, uh, last week's, um, uh, Hampton versus um, versus Howard game um, and Kamala Harris was there so I wanted to ask her about that too also didn't have time um, so there are moments you might hear in the interview I'm like I want to talk to you about this I want to talk to you so it's obvious that like I, I have to get Christina to come back so that will happen in the future but she's just she's great uh, so check out our interview Uh, In the meantime, housekeeping, if you like the show, please rate and review. This is how you can help people to find the show. So let's kick off the show with a replay of this sketch, Garlic. Um, I just, uh, I don't know why I'm playing it. Just uh, here, here it goes. And, uh, and then afterwards, you're going to um, hear from Christina, who's great. And then uh, stick around for uh, Sean. We're going to play a game. And he was actually really happy to play this, uh, this particular game. So it's like, finally, I'm playing something that uh, Sean likes. So check that out, too. In the meantime, here's Garlic. <laughs> Woman heads down to the basement of the Park Slope Food Co-op. Hi, um, I'm supposed to help you with putting organic stickers on garlic? Great. Sit here. This is the system. Take the bowl, rub it softly, not too rough. Put the sticker on it, then put it in the box. Um, okay, kind of weird, but sure. Uh, excuse me? What's weird? 
it softly um anyway it's fine it's fine um i'm a new volunteer and uh i i just need to uh do this shift so i can shop um and and you know really what you do with garlic is none of my business yeah that's that's not weird what's what's strange is that sylvia the shift supervisor sent you here right yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I requested to work in vitamins, but yeah, she, you know, she sent me here, so. She's jealous of my proto skills. Did she tell you that? No, I, I don't understand why she would. She used to help me sticker the organic veggies. Now she sends other people to do her dirty work. Oh, I see. Ooh, so look, this is awkward. She, she made it awkward. She took your vitamin shift. You need to tell her fucking face hole. Oh, wait. So, listen. Uh, I don't think being a co-op member means listening to someone's personal or love or, I don't know, produce problems. So. Oh, so, so now I have a produce problem. I'll have you know I made a delicious tomato confit with one of the garlics that I rubbed last night. Oh, I don't think it was delicious because of how you touched it. How do you know? It surrendered to my touch when I peeled it. I have a gift. <laughs> so if you're so gifted, why is your girlfriend jealous? You know, maybe you should just invite her over for some of that to tomato confit. Like, you know, invite her over after shift. Hey, hey, it's, uh, it's a complicated relationship. I, I didn't really ask your opinion. Um, you know, that's, that's really inappropriate. I think, I think you should probably leave. I don't think you're a good fit for this squad. Uh, what's going on with putting, gar with putting stickers on garlic? The folks in food processing are trying to cut the cheese in peace. The, this woman is being inappropriate. Not true. No way. He's telling me about rubbing garlic and how it, it surrendered to his touch. Gross. Is that true? It surrendered? Oh yeah, yeah, it, it surrendered all over my pants. Oh, that's hot. I want you to tell me more. It would be my pleasure. Um, should I go work in vitamins right now? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, head upstairs so you can finish your shift. Damn, I should have just gone to Trader Joe's. to my chat with writer director Christina Thomas. Hey Christina. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, good. All right, so I'm going to read your amazing bio and we're going to talk about it. Uh it's uh very incredible. Um so born in East Oakland, California, 
staff writer on the upcoming Bad Robot HBO drama Demi Mond, uh, half half world uh, for uh, you know uh, non francophone people. Writer director Christina Thomas first showed her potential in the documentary side of filmmaking by winning awards that led to her win of fifty thousand dollars to direct a pilot TV show in New Orleans for MTV. After paying her dues as script coordinator for such shows as Greenleaf, Lovecraft Country, The Haunting of Bly Manor, her feature Worth It received some well-deserved recognition as a semifinalist for the Women in Film Blacklist Feature Competition and BET's Project Create Feature Competition. Also winner of the Writers Assistant Network Pilot Workshop finalist for Holly Shorts Fest and former staff writer on web, on web series, The Rise of Leo and the Romeos for Issa Rae's production company, Thomas's comedy short film, House of Balls, uh, based on her time playing women's dodgeball is continuing to make the rounds in the festival circuit. Um, recently, her actress, Mariah Robinson, won best actor at the AFF I, um, Austin Film Festival. Um, yeah, alternative film festival. Oh, okay. So Austin Film Festival, Alternative Film Festival, and the half pilot script of House of Balls was semifinalist for the BET's Create uh, Project Create TV and Holly Shorts Fest. She's currently in the Women in Film Mentoring Program for directors and preparing to direct her first feature. Christina is a proud alum of Howard University, um, also known as Kamala Harris's school. I want to ask you about the coin toss because that was in the news recently. Uh, and uh, University of Southern California for film school, right? Yes. Yeah. So just incredible resume. Um, as I said before the interview started, you um, on paper, in person, you are just impeccable presentation all around. Like you, you always, you look the part, you, you are just uh, very buttoned up. Um, like, you know, if my mom met you, she'd be like, oh my God, why can't you be like Christina? So I guess this interview is uh, to kind of be like, uh, how can I be like more like Christina? So um, I want to talk to you about making movies while making moves in Hollywood. Um, in terms of making moves, um, I want to ask you about how you you've built your creative relationships in the in the industry. Um, is there? Um, it's not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how were you able to do that? I think for me, I one of my friends in this group called the Tribe. That is mm -hmm. a mentorship uh, uh, led by Amy Aniobi, who's a showrunner of Insecure. Yeah, that um, I am also a member of. Yes, that you are also a member of. Uh, <laughs> one of the the people that I have continuously talked with was, was Ashley, and she was like, the first time that you like came to my web series like premiere, like you were just like so talkative, and then all of a sudden you were like, okay, I gotta go, and then you just left, and. I called you the next day. I had to call you today. Oh, she like called me the next day. And she was like, hey, so do you not like my web series? And I was like, no, literally I'm the kind of person like I will network my butt off when I'm in a room. 
I will give all of me. Literally, my chest will be dry heaving from me, like giving you everything from me. Yeah. And after that hour, it's like, okay, now I need a nap because I'm literally giving you everything. Yes. Because I want you to know who I am, where I'm coming from. And also that you know that I am so like into what you're trying to say to me and what you want to show me because I don't want to be one of those people who are like, yeah, I don't like anything that you're doing. Uh, yeah, I don't want to come to any of your events. I don't want to speak to you. No, I really want to be present in the moment and be with that person. But it does take a lot out of me. Yeah. And that is my introvert side. Yes, that's, also, that's what I was going to tell you too. Yeah, because that, that is absolutely me. Um, I I will retreat. I'll I'll talk to people for a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, time to go back into my like hermit crab shell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a slow retreat. It's, it's, it's like a clown coming out, like bursting out of, it, out of the box. Yeah. And then a slow retreat from the turtle going back into its shell. It's yeah. like, okay, now we're going to go to nap. Yeah, it's, it, I, I like to think of it as a, as a recharge. I need to recharge my battery. Like it's, yeah. it's like I've, I'm at like 10% on my cell phone and I, I just need to like plug in somewhere. So, you know, bye, bye for now but I'll, I'll yeah. see you later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was also at that event and yeah, I, I saw you talking to everybody. Um, and then I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Like everyone knew you. Um, and then you were also talking about Oakland, which, um, I wasn't able to, to talk to you about cause, um, cause I had to leave to go, you know, retreat into my shell, but, yeah. um, but I was very I, jealous. <laughs> I was very jealous. <laughs> You're like my turn next. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was like, it's be my turn next, but I got to do it in a smooth way. Yeah. But it's like, but yeah, but it's not because you didn't want to be there. It was because, yeah, it's just like, you need that like safe space. It's like, uh, like Temple Grandin. Like, I don't know if you ever saw Temple Grandin. The movie. Yes. Yeah. You know, they had that, the, um, she, she created that, that, uh, that like hugging machine. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that. Yeah, and my friend who has Asperger's, he was telling me, he was just like, you might have a little Asperger's in you. I'm like, no, I don't. What is that? He was like, because literally I want to do it. I was like, no, it's just normal for people to like retreat. And like, yeah, you know, he's been my friend for five years. And like, I just tell him, we just retreat in different ways. Yeah. And because he, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, I just don't understand how you just retreat like that. I'm like, yeah, I say my goodbyes. I say hello and goodbye. And then like, you don't see me because I'm in my car and going home to have a nice like <laughs> glass of water, like an old lady and watch my wee bears and go to sleep. Oh, uh, that's the best show. I know. It's so and good. It oh, I didn't know that it ended. We Yeah, yeah we love it. It ended with a movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've seen the movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then, yeah, Estelle, Estelle makes an appearance in the movie, I think. Yes. Singer, yeah. Yes, and I just watched the old episode last night where they were doing the da 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 the little theme song, and it was uh, so cute with their little cute bears. stuff like that. Uh-huh. Oh, cute! Um, the current the current cartoon we're watching now is uh, Pickle and Peanut. That's on on Disney. Oh, it, it's quirky. That. It's quirky, kind of like We Be Bears. If uh, if you're into into checking that out, ever. Yeah, for sure. Um, but. You know, the first thing in your bio is born in East Oakland, California. I've only been yeah. to Oakland once. Uh, I yeah. we drove around. We went to a record store. I don't remember where. Possibly East Oakland, but uh, and then we drove around Lake Merritt, where I think that 
that barbecue Becky um, yes, we probably did. happened. So what is East Oakland like? And uh, would you ever go back there to live? Yes, I would. I would definitely go back to East Oakland and sp- specifically East Oakland because right now it has not been gentrified yet. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be gentrified, but yeah, that was my, that was where I was born and raised. And literally it's, it's like LA to people here. You can't say, you have to say South LA, you have to say Baldwin, you can't say, you can't literally say East LA. If you're from LA, you have to say a specific neighborhood. Yeah. And I from East could Oakland. be anywhere. Yeah. So saying like East Oakland and then people are like, what part of East Oakland? I'm from 82nd, Alpha 82nd and MacArthur. Okay. And I learned a lot just because my church was over there. I knew a few of the kids in my neighborhood, the the, the kids that survived in my neighborhood, yeah. the one crack guy that like came around our <laughs> our street that just wanted the street because he was high all the time. Uh-huh. But it was just like, it was a place where I knew everybody. I knew my neighbors and I think I missed that. And I also missed the culture and just the dynamic of just knowing all the people around me that I have now seen grown into full adults. And when I say full adults, it's just like being a parent being a symbol of being a symbol of the community and actually actively being committed to making the community better and I I do miss that and I'm hoping to find more resolve as as an adult in LA now to finding that community and having a a relationship with my neighbors too because I I miss that a lot and I miss just I miss the community I I miss that part it sounds like Brooklyn to me I I knew all my neighbors I still keep in contact with them like the people on my block uh, we had, uh, you know, a cast of characters too, similar to what you just described. Um, but then here, I live in South LA, and I don't really know anyone. Um, it's very uh, even. Like yesterday, I knocked on my neighbor's door because his car was kind of blocking where I would put my garbage bins, and like he yeah. didn't even like open the door, and like I couldn't really even like see him through his screen door, and so I'm just like talking to him like can you move your car um and he was like yeah sure he was nice about it but it was just like uh, I don't know if it was my Brooklyn neighborhood it would have been like oh okay Phoebe and then like you know I go talk to Phoebe or I go so yeah I I feel you on that um do you think that that's a thing about LA or that's just because we both live in different cities I think it's because we live in different cities and different neighborhoods, because I know I lived in different parts of South LA just because Mm -hmm. I went to USC. Mm -hmm. And the first place that I lived off campus when I graduated was in Baldwin Hills, well, Windsor Hills, the other, the other high hill of black people. Yeah, And I knew my neighbors. Yeah. And I knew my neighbors and it was great. And it was like, even when we went around, we were going to have our last house party in that house. Like we went around the neighborhood. They were so nice. They were like, oh my God, you got her party. Okay, we'll call the cops after like maybe the third, <laughs> the third time. But yeah, literally the cops were called three times. And by 3 a.m. we were like, we're done. We're done partying. Oh. But they were super nice. They were all super nice. And they just laughed at us because they were like, oh, the young people are in the neighborhood. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, when cops bust up a party, that means that it's a it's pretty lit. It's a great party. Yeah, we had people with party buses coming and nice. stopping at our house and being unloaded into our house for the party. <laughs> That's how lit it was. That's like but, a Seth yeah. Rogen movie. It really was because I was just, but I will say one of our roommates was like super popular. Um, her name is Shanaka Hodge. Uh, shout out to Shanaka. She has her own show. Uh-huh. Um, she just had a baby. She wow. is like, and that is now has a whole fiance. <laughs> and she's doing great. And she's a fellow writer. And she just like, she she came up as a poet and 
uh-huh. oh, she raps, all that good stuff. But again, to say, say all that, she knows everybody, so everybody came. <laughs> yeah, because it was, yeah, it was like, we're going to Shanaka's house. Um, and so like, she's writing, she's, she's on shows. Yeah, she's on her show. She has her own show right now, too. Um, I'm forgetting the name at the moment, but she is big time. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So shout out, shout out to her. Um, so yeah, you know, going back to the the creative relationships, um, you know, your 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 accolades um, also include being Mary Jane, the film version of Blind Spotting. So I want to talk to you because that was uh, you know shot in Oakland, um, and then also like the Muppets. Like you've worked on so many shows. Um, were these all jobs that you um, that were born out of like your gift of gab? Like, how were you able to to get these jobs? And then, yeah. how did that lead to you working as a staff writer on a JJ Abrams show? Yeah, I think yes, the gift of gab, but also just talking to people and just kind of starting a conversation with them because a lot of people sometimes you don't understand they don't have people talking to them asking how the, how how they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I just knew from just growing up in the Bay Area, having a conversation with someone and just being like, how are you? Are you okay? And mm-hmm. at that time, I was a I was an assistant to the manager of the Universal Studios uh, feature development program. Mm-hmm. Literally, it was, it was a program for feature writers. Mm-hmm. And one of the writers, um, Ivy... And features, sorry, features means like full-length movie. Yes, full-length mm-hmm. movies. Um, thank you for the correction. Uh, and one of the writers, Ivy, she used to write, she used to actually work for a director, a TV director. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was just like, I want to direct, but I think writing is a way. And she was like, well, I don't know if you want to work for my boss. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Cause I, I was thinking in my mind, like, oh, that's how I will get the connection to the writer's room. Cause I was, I was still like writing terrible scripts, <laughs> but I knew this would be a possible way into, you know, work alongside the writers and really see if that was something that I want to do. And of course I interviewed for Randall Einhorn. TV director. Oh. Yeah, and he was super the dope. Muppets. Yeah, for them. And that's how I got on the Muppets because he uh-huh. was the TV director and the executive producer of the show. And I was on it for about a year. And he directed uh, 14 episodes of oh, the wow. show, 14 out of the 16 episodes. And I got to know the writers. And but at the end of it, after the show ended, none of the writers would talk to me. They literally were like, peace out, homie. And one of my Howard friends ended up like connecting me with another writer, but he was a writer's PA for Blackish, Hank Jones. Oh, wow. And I emailed Hank just to be like, hey, yeah, everything is going wrong in my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I think my life is about to end because I can't do anything right. And oh my God, can you just hit me back? All right, bye. <laughs> it was like the saddest <laughs> email ever. And I remember he hit me back immediately and was like, hope you're okay. Please hit me back. Like, let's talk more. Uh-huh. And of course, uh, our relationship like developed over the three months as friends of just like him really getting to understand me and not that depressed little child <laughs> that yes. I was at the time. And he ended up getting a staff gig on a Netflix kids show. And he was like, hey, I'm about to leave this job. Uh, do you want to come on as script coordinator? I was like, I don't know what it is, but okay. He was like, I got you the interview. Mm-hmm. And I go into the interview and it's Abdul Williams for the new edition story. Oh, wow. And I go in and he's like, hey, I know who you are. You were supposed to call me back. You got the job. I had met him the year before at the Crenshaw Mall book fair. Nice. (laughs) And we had talked, but it was just like he had a young daughter at the time. R.I.P. Crenshaw Mall. (sighs) 
gonna say it like R.I.P. that. Yes, our well, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. Crenshaw Mall. Yes, I met him there, and he he remembered me from a year later. Wow, and he job. And so that's how I got. I started getting into writers' rooms because I literally I. I led with those in my interview, just like, this is who I am. Like I will, I worked on new edition, bitch. Like yes. <laughs> I'm, I can do the job kind of situation. Uh-huh. And I think, and the way that it transitioned into after over eight shows being script coordinator and writer's assistant, I was on a show at the time for stars and I have applied to bad robot again mm-hmm. because I worked on Lovecraft as script coordinator for, a, for a, I think I want to say a third of the Lovecraft country writers room. Yeah. Cause it went on for like three years, three and a half years for that room. Oh my God. And that yeah. show only aired one season, but the yes. production is three <laughs> years in the making. Yes, three years, well, three and a half years, just post-production was a little bit longer too. But wow. like after that show, I, I had such a good rapport with Bad Robot and they were so nice. They let me come to the office. They like, let me come back to the office after that and just like have lunch. Cause they have, they prepare food for everybody. I was like, I want to go and work for them again. And so my, actually my roommate sent me an email like, Hey, Bad Robot is looking for a writer's assistant for a certain show. And I put in my, my resume in mm-hmm. April of last year. And then by July, I got a really random email, like, Hey, we already hired the writer's assistant, but can, would you like to talk more? I was like, yeah. Thinking of it, I was like, oh, they're probably gonna hire me for scope coordinator. Mm-hmm. I get on the phone with Kira Snyder, who was a former showrunner for this this past season of Handmaid's Tale. She uh-huh. was like, hey, I just want to, you know, I just want to talk for like ten minutes just to get your like feel of like who you are, what you want, like what what kind of stuff you're into. And then literally she like, okay, she's like, okay, all right, bye. And then clicks off Zoom. And I'm like, oh my God, I failed at life. I've oh my God, where's where's Hank home. Jones? Where's Hank Jones? <laughs> I'm like, like, literally it was like, I should call it Hank, but Hank at the time I didn't know he, him and his wife, like newlyweds, and now they're like, they have a whole child now. Oh my God. Um, and literally the next morning I got an email from all three showrunners saying, Hey, sorry for the weird interview, but we were trying to see if you were interested in the staff writer position. <laughs> And I was like, oh, snap. Yes, I am. And it was four months of interviewing. I interviewed with HBO. I interviewed mm-hmm. with Bad Robot. interviewed with the showrunners, like, throughout those four months, just back and forth, giving notes, um, giving, just, like, basically selling myself. And, and these, are, actually, these are, are these, like, um, these are, like, in-person lunches no, or they're These are all just- Zooms. Wow. I can't, I can't even imagine if it was like in person, I would be going to these meetings, having to explain myself again, like, Hey, Hey, Barbara, it's nice to see you again (laughs) for another interview about this job. So wait, I'll go back. Is this happening during the pandemic? This is all during the, this is last, this is last July. Wow. Wow. And I, I ended up quitting the show that I was on as writer's assistant because I knew the showrunner would not let me interview because they were so set on like, no, I control you. Oh. And, I, and I was like, <laughs> I gotta quit. I gotta quit this. Jo- I gotta quit my job. I gotta get free. <laughs> I gotta get free. I, I get literally free. got free. Literally, when I quit that job, I was so happy. I ended, I ended up getting another script coordinator job, but that boss, Steve, um, who was amazing, mm-hmm. I definitely love him. White man from the British country. Nice. Um, he was just like, I don't give a care. Go on some interviews. Bye. <laughs> just do your job. And yeah, and week, that's week, as it should be. Yeah, and the week before Thanksgiving, I had like one more interview with the HBO executive. He was like, hey, we just wanted to uh, meet you. And I was like, oh, 
do you want to ask me to question? Was the strangest like talk? And then the next day, my manager called me, Jason Lubin, and he was like, "Hey, so you got the job?" <laughs> and I literally was about to be like, "Are you sure?" Because this is month four of interviewing. Are we sure this time? And I like, I kind of cried, but I was more just like relieved. I didn't have to interview anymore. It was and, what a marathon. Yeah. So November thirtieth, I started in the room. I I got extended twice, which is unheard of supposedly for staff writers. And August twentieth was my last day, and uh-huh. I can now say I wrote an episode of TV that will premiere one day. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. So because we you know we don't know when it's going to happen, right? Because yeah. um, you know there's so many shows on the slate um, for like you know the upcoming year. So it's just it's like just like Lovecraft Country, I. I guess so I guess like I didn't even know yeah so like no one knew when when that show was going to air yeah I thought it was going to air in 2019 but then freaking COVID (laughs) yeah yeah it just turned everything around yeah Mm -hmm. so where where are you at right now are you right are you working on a show um I I'm I'm starting a one-week gig starting tomorrow for a podcast as a story consultant um, but after that, yeah, still booking for staffing, staffing gig for uh, TV shows and um, and also going out to pitch a show. Um, mm-hmm. I have three shows that I want to pitch, but we're going to me and my reps are like, let's focus on this one show. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that is my my uh, interpretation of uh, the real Emily Paris. It's it's right now called Black Emily in Paris. <laughs> 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 lead with Keisha. that. And I was like, Keisha I don't Paris. know what the freaking I don't know what to name it yet because it's so it's like everybody likes the title so far of like Black Emily in Paris it's like oh uh, well that's some black ass shit <laughs> well I mean it, that that's the sell that's how they're selling it too like oh it's Black Emily in Paris like yeah but I, they can't they can't you know they can't do that but like like that can't <laughs> be the name of the show it'll it it be called something else yes I'm working very hard I'm terrible with titles if you, if you ever know me like I'm terrible with titles I'm great with like episode titles but this shit mm-mm, nah sis I'm why terrible. why because it seems like like ev- like everything is 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 uh is reliant on this this title like it, it just seems yeah. like a lot of pressure it is a lot because I just keep on telling people like when I tell people like what show I was on they were I told them like hey I'm on Demi Mom they're like Demi Mama my mom still says that she's like oh she on that show Demi Mama and so I'm just like dang it but it was like that for Lovecraft because people were like love love what Lovecraft what what is it and then it comes out and it literally rolls off people's tongues oh yeah oh yeah and they're back in 2018 oh hell no it did not. It's like how you like me now. Like I was a part of that. I was a part of TV history. Yeah. So it, it's great to, to know that I, I was on an I was on a, I was on another show <laughs> that was a part of history. Prestige um, black yeah. television. Yeah, it's it's really crazy because I'm just like I started off with New Edition Story and then then Lovecraft. Uh-huh. So yeah. So okay. What but now you're in general meet you're in general meetings and then pitch meetings um what was like your proudest uh meeting moment because it's it can be kind of nerve-wracking right like to me it's very nerve-wracking especially if they're like cagey like we just wanted to meet you yeah but I think probably the worst one was from a 
company I knew, I knew it was going to be horrible. And it went, it went horrible. She loved my pilot. Uh-huh. She talked about how great I was. She heard some great things about me because I worked on script coordinating shows that were a part of this company. Mm-hmm. And she, I was just telling her about my pilot, which is a period piece. This call, it's, it's a period piece because mm-hmm. in 1994, that's still considered a period wow. piece. Wow, wow. And she was just like, yeah, like if you have anything else, like please send it my way because I, I loved your pilot. But please know I hate period pieces. Okay. And I went into that. But does she mean like, period pieces like like Jane Austen or no? This means like anything pieces, in the past. Yes. And I literally, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? And I think that really took me into like yeah, I'm not going to take things seriously anymore. When I go into general meetings, I'm literally just going to be myself and stop being like, I'm a business, I'm, I'm in a business deal. Cause that's how I was treating it. Cause thank God that was my second month of general meetings. Uh-huh. And that literally kind of broke me of like, I'm not going to take these. I'm just going to be myself. Cause there that's, an, that's, that really messed me up. And mm-hmm. I ended up having a meeting with, with, a, with a young executive, I think a month later after that. Mm-hmm. And it just went so well. It was like one of those meetings, like it could have gone for another hour because we were just talking about all the things that we love about television and all the things that I like, I really want to work on. And I was like, I can do anything because I'm a child of the nineties where I have basic cable. So I had a basic mindset of anything that I wanted to do. <laughs> and it just went great because she even was like, look, we don't do this type of stuff that you do, but let me like refer you to this other executive with this other company. And she set me up with two other meetings with other executives who love my work. And now like, they've actually hit me up about some things. Oh, and wow. I think I think that's another thing that you can look forward to when you start understanding how it works in a general meeting of like you're establishing a relationship with someone who can help you. If they're if they're not able to, they can literally set you up with someone else. Right. It's like it's like dating. It's like, hey, we're not right for each other, but I actually do know a girl. I got a who, friend. Yeah, I got a friend. And that's how it should go. Cause it's just like, that's how you establish relationships. And that's how you probably will get money in the future. Cause they're like karma, karma comes your way at the end right. of the day. Right. And you just, you're spreading the love around. It's like, yeah. um, yeah. Cause like, uh, I, I interviewed, uh, Shantira Jackson. Um, she was just at the Emmys. Um, she worked on, she works on Amber Ruffin show and she was talking about how, like, you just, you have to be yourself. Like, no matter what it is like me, I, um, I, I, you know, I'm very shy, introverted. Um, I I'm very inspired by you because you're also an introvert, but you, you're also someone that like, um, like, yeah, yes, you, you have to retreat like me, but you'll in the moment that you have to talk, you're, you're going to, you know, make that good impression. You're going to, yeah. you're going to tell them who you are and then you'll retreat. So, yeah. um, and I also get but that like from Kay Oyega. Okay. Yeah. But I you get that, that from, from Kay. From, um, uh, there's a writer named Kay Oyagun. Oh, okay. And she's working on um, Tomi um, Adiemi's uh, book. And she's friends yeah. with Amy. She's friends with Amy yeah. and Aniobi also. Yeah. And Kay and, Kay and I, our birthday's on the same day. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we are both assistants on the Muppets. She oh, was wow. The, she was assistant to the showrunner and I was assistant <laughs> to the EP slash director of the Muppets. Uh-huh. And we were the only black women and literally our desk, 
it was like a whole floor, but we're literally, if you look down the whole hall, you could literally see our desks were adjacent to each other. Just, you could just like look at each other. Literally, I could. And Kay was always saying, saying to me, be yourself. And I was like, I can't be myself around these white people because yeah. they hate me. And she was like, okay, all right. And I started, I only started being myself once I became a staff writer because that is the only time I felt comfortable. Oh, and Lovecraft Country. Those are the only two places where I felt comfortable with being myself and I didn't feel judged at all. So, sorry. So, uh, yeah, you, so you were saying that Lovecraft Country, you felt, you felt really comfortable. Why, why is that? Like, I think your ideas, like you were able to, because, because that's also something, um, there's like a hierarchy with like the staff writer, the producer, um, did you feel like there was no hierarchy in that situation? Is that why? It wasn't even that. I felt like I could be black. Okay, that's huge. <laughs> I could I could be an apology black. I am so sorry I'm crying. Um, but I felt for the first time I could be unapologi- unapologetically black. Yeah. I could, I could literally be myself and no one would make fun of me for it. Yeah. And it sucks because I don't get that a lot in rooms and literally it had to be Lovecraft Country where I felt like I could be my unapologetically self, but also I could have conversations of why I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. And that also helped in the process of understanding what the storylines were going to be for these characters. And then when I got on Demimon, it was the same way. It was just like me being uncomfortable helped with understanding one of the characters on the show and also why being a black woman scientist was also another thing of just understanding like we always feel like we're always awkward in rooms because we're we're told we're not supposed to be there in the first place yeah wow that's this is one of my it's one of my fears i'm i have not been in a writer's room yet um i'm i'm still at the at the beginning of of all of this um and I hear, I hear a lot of stories that, that is, um, it's scary, but then hearing that makes me feel like there, there is, there are possibilities for, um, like, even like thinking about like Grey's Anatomy, like, um, you know, Debbie Allen just won, um, and, and, uh, she was there to, um, to help the show, like as, as a director, she, she was there to, um, quote unquote, like empower, empower uh, the, the cast and crew um, because it's, it is really true. Cause it, like, the, especially there was like revelations that like um, Patrick Dempsey was a nightmare on set um, and that, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like the most perfect situation. So, so that is a real thing, especially in the creative space where you're putting your heart and soul, just like you were saying, even in talking, like you're putting your heart and soul out there, you're, you're wanting to connect with people, you're wanting to connect with people with your art too, with your storytelling. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of, uh, even though it's a business, there's a lot of personal in, in it. And so it's, it's hard to separate the two. Um, so, so it, it, there, there are feelings involved. Um, I was listening to, um, Jesse Esparza. He's, um, he's going to be a guest, um, in, uh, in a, uh, upcoming show. And he was saying something similar. Um, he worked on Mixish and just that, like, uh, the showrunner, the showrunner is black and, and that, that made him feel so much more comfortable 
um, because he, I, I mean, he said, uh, and I, I guess it's okay to say, he was like, you know, fire all the white men, um, <laughs> which, you know, he was just saying it jokingly, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard working in a situation where, where you're the only other, just like, you know, um, I've, I've, I've definitely had that situation working in, in media. Um, and, uh, so it's, so it's amazing how you're able to navigate that. How, how do you, how do you deal with like, what's it like coming home from work? Like what, how do you decompress? For me, it was that first three weeks of Demimon where again, I have three showrunners. It's Farsharyat, it's Rand Ravage, and it's Kira Snyder. And mm-hmm. they're all powerhouses and they're all super fucking nice. Mm-hmm. And they're all just, oh my God, they couldn't be the nicest first showrunners ever. And yeah. including on the on top of that, you got JJ, who's also like the the my showrunner as well, too. And also a very, be- very nice man. And I'm like, why are you still so nice when you have like a schedule full of events? Yes. And I had to, I had to get a therapist, <laughs> like to understand, I had to get a new therapist during COVID to deal with, with accepting like people can be nice because of the the previous writer's rooms that I, I was in, oh. from PTSD of all that. Yeah. So I learned like, I need a schedule. I need to wake up to, I need to pray. I need to work out. And I just need time for myself in the morning before I get in the writer's room. And so when I get off of the writer's room, when I'm like driving home, quote uh-huh. unquote, I just lay in my bed for a second. Or again, I just go make myself a snack and I watch some We Bear Bears and just watch an episode <laughs> of two. I'm so serious. We Bear Bears, some Rugrats episodes, some Doug, ep- like that is my, my go-to when I'm having a terrible day. Because people Which think that Doug? kids' cartoons are stupid, but no. Which Doug, though, because I grew up with the Doug on Nickelodeon. The Doug on Disney is completely different and it's kind of booty. I I don't like it. It is kind of booty and it makes me mad because I finally saw it on Disney Plus because I was like, I don't even remember any of the episodes because, you know, it's separate. Nickelodeon versus the the Disney version. And it's Doug, just from people listening, Doug on Disney was him in middle school. And also he had longer hair and it was like, it did not work. (laughs) Yeah, you yeah you remember that? Yeah, yeah. That and, was uh, not Patty funny, Manning. Doug. Funny. Yeah, it's like weird. It's so fucking weird. But yes, I will try to give it another try because I did watch the whole season, all seasons. But it was just like it's so weird watching the Doug Middle School version because I'm I have still have not gotten Paramount Plus because that is the only way that I can get Doug without like oh going too much. oh that's good to know. Yeah. We we have it. I I use it. I use my parents in law. Um, account. I, I mean, I recommend because the, um, there's a, what do you call it? Uh, what's it called? Power. What's it called? Paw, Paw Patrol. Oh, there's a Paw Patrol yeah. movie. And then yeah. I don't know if you watch The Good Fight. Yes, I do. And that's why I'm like, I'm probably gonna have to buy. <laughs> I'm gonna have so to buy good this Plus season. at the end of the year to binge yeah. that and also yeah. Evil. Which is I have great to show. watch Evil. I have to watch it. I've heard so much good things about it. Yes, it's very dark. Uh-huh. <laughs> But if you like horror, you you will like a little bit of it. Um, it won't scare you too much. But it's I'm also always fascinated with stories that involve a faith mm-hmm. and and just like 
just kind of how faith challenges you in the the good versus evil and, and all that tribulation. I, I am Christian. Yes, I do believe the devil. Yes, I do believe in magic. Yes, I believe in all that stuff. But it's always interesting when people putting it, put it in stories and actually make it into something that people can actually think about at the end of the day. Right, right. Okay, so I, I have to check that out. What else, like who else is like putting out work that's inspiring you right now? Um, Of course, I still fangirl over Mike Flanagan, my former boss. <laughs> Um, I, I worked with him on The Haunting of a Bly Manor, which was the yeah. second season of The Haunting on Netflix. And I'm always fascinated how he can turn like a simple story about somebody being haunted into like an analogy for um, the, the siblings representing the five stages of grief or people ha dealing with death because they are dead. And these are just like small things that I, I wish I, I hope to get better at because he's so great with breaking story like that. And it's just, it's poetic. It's horror, yeah. but it's poetic. <laughs> and I still, I still fancy him. Nice. And <laughs> uh, he's, he's British, right? No, he's a white guy from America. Oh, oh okay. Cause you, you worked, oh, okay. Cause you worked with the British guy too. So I did want, yes, I did. I worked with Steve. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and I loved uh, working with my, my form, my, my mentor who was a co-EP um, well, my well, my mentors, Jay Kidd and Sonia Winston, who are in Lovecraft Country. Oh, wow. um, they they have a deal at HBO, and they have a whole bunch of stuff that are that's about to come out, and their writing is amazing and is poetic as well too, and always involves a history of of Black people, not just like like oh, we're everything is bad, everything that comes out about it is bad. No, it's like at the end of the day, we are magic. We we create great stories, and it's not always like we get killed at the end. No, we persevere at the yeah. end as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, man, those are the people I'm looking forward to because uh, Midnight Mass is coming out this Friday for Mike Flanagan mm -hmm. and Sonia and Jay, they should be having their their shows uh, on HBO and, and yeah, produced for HBO in the next two years. Oh, that's awesome. So we'll 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 definitely look out for that. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you before I let you go. I want to talk to you about directing. So you, you know, you were talking, and then also Mexico, you were in the Mexican earthquake that just happened. I didn't know. I went to Mexico city after, <laughs> after Demion, after nine months of being on, on the show. And I go to Mexico city for two weeks. Mind you, the first week, my first four days, I climbed a 15,000 foot volcano in nine yes. hours, the fourth highest in Mexico. And then the next, and then that's following Tuesday. We we come from a tasting, a five like a five course tasting at Quintanil, which is like a, a Michelin star restaurant in Mexico City. And that wow. night, as we are both going, coming from the bathroom, I see the lamps moving back and forth, and then oh. we get the high lights moving us for a minute, <laughs> shaking us back and forth. And I'm like, I'm literally get down on the ground, like God, can you just take over? Can you just can you stop it moving? Can you stop it? Can you stop it moving? And I come out to a, a a woman, like an older woman's like so, like praying to God in Spanish. I'm like, oh Lord, oh. take the wheel. Cause you yeah, you went outside. Yeah. After after it happened, um you uh, so yeah, you got down, you went outside because you took some footage. Yeah. And it's just like just people out in the street, just like because it was a really strong quake. Right? Yes, it was. And Stronger it was, than um, anything you've experienced as a Californian. Because I was on the 12th floor. That uh -huh. was the difference between it. Uh, I was on the 12th floor and I was at the end of the hall. And at the end of the hall, it was like a little, uh, what is it? The thing you have to go through a hall and mm -hmm. the hall by the staircase, it like was a all foyer. broken. Uh -huh. Yeah, the, the foyer rim, it was broken. Oh. And, 
And I was like, no, you need to get me on a lower level. It took me three <laughs> days to get to the fourth floor. And I was, yeah. Uh, I hope to never go through that again, but at least now I know, you know, what to do and what to take. Cause literally I ran to my, my friend's room yeah, and she was like, did you get your stuff? And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't get anything. And I literally uh-huh. went in and the first two things that I got was a passport and my computer and said, fuck everything else. Fuck my clothes. Yeah. Like, I didn't care. Yeah. Cause I, I got my laptop stolen three years ago and that show in stripped. Oakland. That show in Oakland, the, the <laughs> night before a film shoot, as I was directing a short, which to this day, I, I say it was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me because it was my first like mental breakdown. My mom had to literally like, she took me to movies to go see that damn Lady, Lady Gaga film with what's his face. And I could not yes, cry. Um, I was crying Stars born. Stars, yes, born, stars born. Stars <laughs> born. And literally it was the worst shoot ever. Me and that person are no longer friends. Oh. And, and I did not, I didn't back up any of my scripts. And literally from, oh. and then I got fired from my job a month later because I just could not deal with stress of the job, which was horrible. And also just losing my laptop and having no scripts to go out to. So, Oh yeah. my God. And I, and that from that day forward, I was just like, I ended up doing a fundraiser. I got the money in two days because everybody felt pitiful pity for me. Yeah. Um, but the, from that day on, I was like, I need to make everything that I said I was going to make because I can't wait any longer. I got to make right. shit happen. That's right. Life is short. And so how do you save your stuff? Cloud? Oh, honey, cloud, <laughs> Google. I got two different uh, drives. Don't play with me. Don't play with me. <laughs> I do not play games on the streets. Because anything can happen. Anything could happen. And then just some of the stuff that I've come up with. Oh, no, you're not going to take any of my stuff that's going to make me money <laughs> and get my house in Baldwin Hills. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and this is, this again goes back to how you're always on point on paper in real life. You have five methods of saving your work. <laughs> um, when you were climbing that, that, uh, that, that volcano, you, I, I was also going to remark that like you were, very well dressed too because also i would i would have looked a mess a state oh no 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 a volcano your hair was was nicely coiffed and you had like little like ll bean boots (laughs) and i was like oh she looks so chic like i would be like like you if i was photographed like that like just drool coming and out of my mouth and like you know my t-shirt and my stomach hanging out like I, I would have looked a mess and see I prepared that outfit for that specific day <laughs> um and all of that was dry dry fit stuff um clothes and then the boots I had like carried on from from Hawaii because Hawaii I was climbing everywhere because I was on a solo trip and that was the first trip that I actually got to climb everywhere that I wanted to nice and and I think that was like my 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 uh, first step into the new year, like I want to try new things that are going to challenge me and never do them again, <laughs> because they are. I, I climbed the fucking fourth highest volcano in Mexico that was not active, and I still can't. <laughs> and it was an Airbnb experience, like suggestion. Yes. And I took I took the suggestion to That's do a, this yeah. experience. That's like a bucket list thing. But but what was the most like like I can't believe I I went through this like the earthquake or the volcano the volcano wow because the volcano was nine hours and literally i was doing something that i also have asthma and we were at elevation already at ten thousand in mexico city and then you're climbing up elevations within hours and then you're having to climb back down 
And I literally was like, I can't make it. There was very, oh, I don't know how that guide <laughs> stood me at the end of that, of that whole thing. Cause I kept on saying, I can't make it God. Like literally, <laughs> I live with that guy for nine said, hours for nine hours. That man dealt with my black ass. And I just, I'm serious, God, and them being very patient with me because it was like another hiker and just my asthma, I had to take my inhaler because I was mm -hmm. just like, I'm not gonna make it. And literally the pictures that I have on Instagram was literally, I was just like, fuck it. And just crawled. I gave them the little stick, the hiking stick. And I was like, I, I can't, no, no, no. I literally was crawling. Like you can see the dirt on my hands. Oh. And then we got to the top, we just saw a little ass lake and I was like, this is it. <laughs> uh, great. Good times. Down down the hill we go. Down the down the hill we, we yeah. And I went down that I ran down that hill, and it was <laughs> funny because I couldn't see anything in front of me because of the clouds. It was raining on top of that as we were going up and down. Yeah. So just imagine that too. We were fighting the rain, and we couldn't. We didn't know where up and down was. Did you take albuterol or, or some kind of inhaler before going up? Yeah. I yes, I took my albuterol. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yes, I did. Yes, I did, fellow asthma person. Yes. Well, I, I, it's when I exercise that I have to like, like do the little yeah. albuterol thing. Um, okay. Yes, you, you did nine, nine hours. It was a little ass lake. Mm -hmm. would, would you do another climbing thing again? Yes. And if so, where? <sighs> like, would you ever do Himalayas? I wouldn't do that. I would do the Himalayas, how much I could do, but I would love to do it with a friend. And it sucks because my ex, like if we could make things work, he would probably be my hiking buddy. Because <laughs> when I told him about it, he was like, oh my God, now I have to do it. I have to beat you. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But yeah, he's he's super cool. He He's that guy, like I need that friend to be like, let's just do it. And then get drunk afterwards. Yeah, but that's like a once in a lifetime thing to like, you know, Mount Everest. Like that's Mount Everest. I don't know. They we were talking about that as we were climbing it up because our guide actually got to do it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I mean, people do die. Like you, I, I would have to I go. Died. <laughs> well, yeah. On on this little on this uh, on this volcano. I was gonna say yeah. avocado, but a volcano. And then, yeah, basically, because it was inactive, like a avocado. Yes, there was not there was nothing in the middle except a little ass lake, which could probably be like a little ass seed. There you go. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh. but what an experience! Um, okay, we were. Um, what I also wanted to talk to you about um, was uh, really love. You loved it on Netflix. I really liked it too. Also set in DC, um, but and this ties in with with um, you know your skills as a director. Um, and uh, I guess uh, to, to close out our, our talk, if, if um, that closes it out, is that like, um, you know, it makes me wonder about like color correction, lighting. When we talked to Felicia Pride, we had our, our tribe meeting. We talked to Felicia Pride. She wrote Really Love. She also um, uh, has also directed um, a movie that we were talking about with her as well. She was yeah, talking Tinder. about like, tender she was talking about uh thank you she was talking about like color correction and lighting and how they are very challenging for black filmmakers um i've hear, heard that a lot like with insecure too like everyone in insecure looks gorgeous mm -hmm. um, everyone in real love really love look gorgeous um that is not an easy 
thing to come by. So like as a filmmaker, you know, what are the challenges for, for filmmakers with like a shoestring budget, like to try to accurately represent like beautiful black complexions and brown complexions? Like how, how, um, like, cause this goes for all, all sorts of people too. Like, you know, what's that like? What, what are the challenges there? How much does that I mean, cost? Um, it can cost $500 on the cheap end. Um, which I say, if you're going to do it on the cheap end, make sure it's somebody that you, you honestly can trust and you can actually see the differences in the color because Lily for House of Balls, I kind of saw the changes, but I was just like, I need to pay her because she did some work. She did some work. She did some changes. I in, couldn't in your, see, barely see it. Yeah. Cause in your movie, everyone looked beautiful. It was all different sorts of complexions, but everyone looked like they were naturally represented. That's something that people don't necessarily think about is that when you're filming something, um, the way people come out isn't always what they look like in real life. So there has to be what's called color correction where someone like has to go in like in a computer and like, I don't know, with like a pen, I don't know how they, how they fix it. Yeah, because I, everything was done remote and I can tell you right now, like she, the, the woman who did our color correction, she fixed acne most of, for the most part, the uh -huh. acne and also just some of the color tones, just because we run a gym and we didn't have the money to basically take out all the lights and on the top of the gym and be like, okay, let's put in our own lights. No, we had to go the cheap route and just our, my DP had to do the best he could of just like making them look good on camera. And then as much as we could do in color correcting and usually the DP and the, the color person who color correcting, they usually talk and they, they say like, well, lenses we were using, what lighting they did and just anything else that they have in their notes that they want to give them as well too, because they're involved in the color correction process as well too. And also yeah. I had a black, I had a black DP, I had a black male DP. Which is also um, important. Yeah, it's very important. Um, no, no offense to him, but I really do want to work with more female DPs because I think they really, I think the discussion is a little bit more hardcore, just really developing beforehand, like what color tone you want to have. And I think they, they understand wardrobe a lot more. And I ended up having that conversation the last minute with another fellow DP about mm -hmm. that, who I, who I just met. And she was talking to me about that. And that's why what you see <laughs> in the trailer is just like what I like last minute changes that I made to make sure like everyone's tone came out. And of course I made this a diverse cast because I wanted to showcase like dodgeball is not just a white male sport. It is very much a, divor a diverse sport that a lot of women that I know are just like, they're not all white. No, they're Latin, they're, they're Hmong, they're, they're black, they're Hispanic. Like we represent all colors and, and shades. Yeah, that's right. Um, so like, what's, what's your advice to, to someone who wants to direct a movie and that doesn't have a lot of money and that wants to, um, wants to accurately represent, you know, people's color. Um, that's something that we don't really think about. Um, and that, uh, like, how do, how do you do it? Like, is there a, like a kind of green book for filmmakers? Like, um, this is a very long-winded question, but like, how how do you make it work? How do you make it all work, and you don't have any money? Um, I'm so sorry for the helicopter and the distance. Oh, it's okay. I've had so many distractions. Uh, um, there was the washing machine and like the boys going to play soccer. Anyway, go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd say The Power of the Actor is a book that I read for the most part of how to direct actors. 
um, because also you want that clear communication between your actors and your your director. And I think sometimes a lot of people don't understand, like it's not just about the story, it's also this connection to the story that really helps bring the story to life. Because if nobody can understand what the story is about and they have no connection to it, it comes off on screen and it comes off horribly. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because for House of Balls, all of the women are like, they couldn't come to a dodgeball game except Maya, which Maya is the co-star of the film. And she came to just see me play. And she was like, oh, now I know what to do. Because I thought it was just like, girls were just like, oh, okay, I throw the ball. No, we are just as hardcore as the boys. We're we're calling the boys like, you stank ass bitch. I am so sorry if I'm cursing too much on this episode. It's all good. <laughs> Curse away. But we're like- Is she the one that's different. like, crank it? Like she- Yes. Uh-huh. And literally like, that is how we are. Like my friend Donovan, who also is in it, who's also a part of my my dodgeball league. He's the black guy, the only male in in the um, in the film that was um, that I was just like, you need to show them what to do. And also my friend Louis, who's also pictured in it, uh, he they both were like very helpful with telling the girls like, no, you need to throw that ball <laughs> because it's just like it's equal playing field. It's like you and it really just made the whole cast and crew just really like into the film and literally a part of it. And I think that's if you want to direct a film, that's what it's all about. You want to be a part of the process and make everybody feel like they're a part of the family. Because at the end of the day, that's that's why I like being on set. I'm an only child. So being having like a, a crew and cast, it's just like, that's family. Those are my brothers and sisters on set. So anything they do that hurt me, I'm like, oh, why would you do that? I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like that person on set. Just like, I want everybody to be involved. Everybody, I try to be as kind to everybody on set. But I just love the process of just like being on set, really making a vision come come to life and just, you know, doing great things and also helping other people, uh, you know, get their projects off the ground too. And also being jealous of them because I'm not filming as well. Oh, man. But okay, so so that, so you said um, House of Actors, what's it called? The book? It's uh, Oh, it's called The Power of the Actor. The Power of the Actor. Yeah, and I- there is... And there's a, a chapter about directing the actor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the power of the actor. What about like finding these like technical people, like a cinematographer, color corrector, lighting? How, um, how do you find teams like that? How do people find teams? Literally like everything is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's just asking other other friends. And usually it's to my editors too. My editors know color correctors. Um, DPs right now, it's hard to find a female director, which is, yeah. which is surprising. But... It, a lot of the female director, let me, a lot of the female DPs, they're not a lot out there that are available or if they are, they're swooped up. Right. <laughs> and they're working. Right. And going back to um, TV rooms, like Shantira Jackson was talking about black showrunners and how she's like, oh, they're four, they're like four and they're all busy. So is that yeah. the same for, for uh, female directors, female uh, cinematographers? Um, yeah. Yes, I know it's 50-50 for the short film world, but for TV directing, no, we out there. Yeah. It's just a lot of them have not gotten their first chance. It's like me. Like I had this, I actually had this conversation with JJ <laughs> on my exit interview because I was just like, can you be my mentor? And he was just saying like, he was like, you need to film more. Like you need to know, like be so comfortable that when somebody finally asks you one day to direct an episode of TV, it's just like, oh yeah, I can do that. Bye. Give me some m and uh, a whole production crew. Let's make this happen. It's just like, people have to know you're comfortable 
And they have to recognize and be available to opening up that door for that person. And a lot of those doors are still closed because they don't want to take a chance on people, but yet they take chances on men. Yes. Um, because of their confidence, who knows? Uh, and also they, they were like, oh my God, I feel bad for them. Let me give them a chance on this show. Literally, that's what a showrunner said to me. That's how she hired um, a white male director that wow. ended up getting on an episode of um, of a show on stars. That's all I'll say. Damn. Um, well, why don't they <laughs> sorry. feel sorry for us? Because we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be so confident that that just rolls off the back of our, our, our back. It is very much bullshit. And uh, yeah, I'm still applying to fellowships. <laughs> I'm still getting rejected right now, but I'm hoping, yeah, that I, I finally get to direct an episode of TV and finally just like, like, like I've been telling people, like I started off with a, with a teacher saying I couldn't write. I couldn't write, I couldn't write my papers. And then in, at Howard, I was told by another female professor that I couldn't write scripts. But I took that and I ran with it of just like, okay, maybe I need to do some more studying. So right now I'm gonna do these two short films by the end of the year and really prove to myself, like I prove to myself more so mm -hmm. than others that like, oh, I know how to do this. Like stop letting those people from the past get to your present future. Right. Stop letting them mess up your money because your money is going to come once you block out the, that past. Right. Because ultimately they're not the there they are just in your past they are not um they're not in they don't have to be in your head you yeah, don't they have, don't have to, to be think, in your head. yeah they're taking up space yeah <laughs> that's not needed right okay this is amazing how can people find you um you can find me at uh thomas that's renee with two e's at the end and then you can find me on instagram at it's christina thomas <laughs> It's Christina yeah. Thomas. Check yeah. out her director reel. It's really wonderful. It highlights like um, it highlights House of Balls, um, other projects, including music videos that she's worked on. Uh, just really beautiful stuff. Um, you're going to hear a lot more about Christina Thomas over the years. So, uh, you know, get ready. Um, <laughs> she um, she has saved all of her work. <laughs> five times over uh, my God, my so God. that you will know and you will, you know, experience um, all of her splendor. So yes. thank you so much, Christina. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's play a game. So joining me now is Sean. Hey, Sean. Hey, how's it going? Hey, so sadly uh, today, uh, Willie Garson passed away. Also this week, Anthony Johnson, who was in Friday, passed away. I don't know if you knew that, Sean. Yeah, I heard on KCRW. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, so for Willie Gar uh, Anthony Johnson, I remember him on Def Comedy Jam and then Friday, um, Willie Garson, of course, he was the fan fave from HBO series um, 
Sex in the City. He played Stanford Blatch. He was the gay socialite who Carrie Bradshaw often called Stanny. Um, rest in peace. Uh, both of these um, really great guys. I can't, I can't picture him at all. Anthony Johnson? No, the... Oh, Willie, Willie Garson. Willie Garson. He was uh, like short hair, uh, round glasses. I don't know if you remember her best friend. He was, was like Mar- the- was Mario Cantone? Cantrone? How do you say his name? Cantone. Mario Cantone was in Sex in the City, right? Yeah. I remember him. I don't remember Willie Garson. Right. Yeah. I mean, I grew up also with uh, Mario C- Cantone because he was the host of a kids show on Channel Nine. Um, it was a, a local New York show called Steam Pipe Alley, if anybody ever remembers that. Um, name. Yeah, that, that was amazing. And then it was like uh, watching Sex and the Sea. I was like, oh, he's gay? Like, I had no idea. I yeah. was, you know, it was all like, you know, childhood I feel like I've seen his stand-up too, and it's pretty good. I like Mario Cantone. Yeah, yeah, he's funny. But he didn't die, so let's not talk about yeah, him. Let's he's, talk about Willie Garson. Right, right. Who really. I don't. Garson? Garson, not uh not Garçon. 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 Maybe Ma in certain Garçon. yeah, maybe in certain circles he was Garçon, but yeah. but yeah, he's Willie Garson. Garçon. Yes. Uh rest in peace, uh, uh everyone. Yep. So okay, so in honor of the character, I was going to play a Sex in the City game, but you know, this game is with Sean, so let's make Sean happy. Let's do I mean, something. I, I used to watch Sex in the City. I talked you out of buying like a huge box set of Sex in the City. OMG. I because forgot. It's, because it's streaming on HBO and like yeah. that was already like starting to happen. Oh, wow. That would have been one of the other DVD sets that we like got rid of for free before we moved to L.A. from New York. Oh, my God. I forgot. I mean, my box sets, um, you know, consist of gem. And I, I made Carla buy me that. And it was 60 bucks we, for we my still birthday. Have, uh, we still, we still have, have Seinfeld. We still have Curb Your Enthusiasm. He-Man. He-Man. It was like, wow. I was so into He-Man when I was a little boy. And then I me like, too. just like the naming conventions. It's like man fox yeah it's just like you take two things it's like whatever it looks like skeletor stone man yeah skeletor at least there's a tour it's not just like skeleton man but everything else was like he man skeleton man right shark man i don't think there was a shark but you know it was yeah. all so basic and they were, and they it, was were so awesome I, it was awesome when I was a little kid. It was so exciting. And then right. I was like, wow, like, I don't, I don't know if this held up well, but the, the animation's great. I mean, it's cool, man. I, I, I like the fact that his cat's Cringer before he turns into Battle Cat. So that, that that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, because Cringer was like really like very uh, uh, skittish. Yeah, he and, was super skittish. Yeah. He, he wasn't cringy. I mean, everything else about the show is a little bit cringy, but Cringer was just like. You know, he'd see anything and he would cringe. It was like, yeah, before cringe came to mean what it means these days. Yeah, I mean, he like man, cr- it was like cringe and fear, not like cringe and disgust at how corny something is. Right. I mean, like he man came before ambiguously gay duo on SNL. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, of course, we were small kids, so we had no idea who was who was the duo though. It was just him Ace and, and Gary. Cat. Oh well. I mean, and for Shira, Skeletor, I mean, 
for it could have been Skeletor as I mean, the as I'm, the I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Skeletor had a thing for He Man. Like that's why he was always like so mad. I think I always thought that was his secret father because he Oh, okay, like because, a Star Wars yeah. thing. Okay. I always thought there that there was definitely I don't like a it, thing between them. It was but, true. But he you know, he didn't have a sidekick. He didn't have a Robin. He didn't have really like a love interest sidekick. So Yeah, just just cringer. Just cringer, but yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely ripped, and you know, like so Prince ripped. Adam. Oh my goodness! Um, you know, it was great. Yeah. Um, and Shira, Shira was also awesome too. Yeah. Uh, they like? Wasn't he supposed to be with Shira? Or that was his no, sister. No, that's that his sister. sister right? It was totally okay. his sister. Long All lost right. sister. She grew up in Eternia. This is like this is how much I paid attention to it. I always right. thought that was like. I mean, I collected the toys and stuff. Yeah. I, I think I knew that was his sister, but like somehow I was like, oh, I, I, I thought that was his girl for a minute. Yeah. But that's his sister. Yeah. But I mean, this this was like our Paw Patrol. Like this was, you know, for really small kids. So, you know, we were we were very young. Yeah. I mean, it came out, what, 85? I was like two, three years old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so. dating myself. Yeah. So, you know, All right. what did we know? But anyway, let's let's move on because this is a, you know, this is a Sean game. So let's oh let's God. let's do something Sean would do. Sean would be okay. interested in. So I think I think in keeping with the time period of, you know, when we were kids, we're going to play a Wu-Tang quiz. Good. And there's probably a new Wu-Tang to watch, right? Yeah. Because also That's we've been. That's what we're going to do after yes, this. Yes. That's what we need to do after this. This yes, is how Colette the is going to pay me back for doing this last minute game. Yes. Which I'm actually having a good time playing. Yeah. But, you know, I don't like doing them late at night. Um. You know, it's well, like kind it's of the a, worst time for me to do them. But it's she's probably just going to edit this out. But no, I'm gonna leave it all in. I'm all right, gonna... leave it all in. Okay, words so, and all. They need to know. Yes, exactly. So we've been slowly watching the second season of the Wu Tang American Saga. It re- it's an epic show. It's uh, season the new season's ep- epic and wonderful as usual. So I want to know how well Sean knows Wu Tang facts. Okay. Are you ready, Sean? Sure. Let's go. First one. I'm gonna rap a little bit. Oh no. Yeah, do it. Ghostface, and this is not necessarily to the rhythm of the song. Okay. Ghostface, catch the blast of a hype verse. My Glock bursts, leave in a hearse. I did worse. I come rough, tough like an elephant okay, tusk. Yeah, head rush like, Ra- an, Ra- Egyptian like an Egyptian musk. musk. Yes. Our lyrics to which 36 Chamber song? You best protect your neck. No. It's not? The answer is bring the ruckus. Bring the ruckus? Yes. Protect it. Oh, but at the end of bring the ruckus. Okay. Um, bring the ruckus. I mean, they all, they all, because your choices were protect your neck, method man, cream, or bring the ruckus. But they all like say these no, words throughout yeah, so, all their songs. Okay. But protect your neck is one of the options that you were going to give me. Yeah. And you said that my answer is bring the ruckus. Yeah, the right answer is bring the ruckus. But like you gave three ones that were not. No, 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 no. I I know my the choices were four. Protect protect your neck, method man, cream or bring the ruckus. Yeah. 
but you guests protect I, your neck without I, without knowing the options because I, I didn't, hear, I didn't I get can, a chance I can hear to the, the beat. I, I, I feel like uh, at the end of Bring the Ruckus, mm-hmm. um, which one's da, do, da, Break do, the motherfucking da, ruckus. Do, da. Um, Killer Bees, We on a Swarm. Is that yeah, I, I, it's been a while since I listened to 36 Chambers, but yes. I, I, I remember like, you know. Okay, let's move on. Okay, next question. What is Method Man's real name? Is it Clifford Gibson, Clifford Smith, or Clifford Tang? Clifford Smith. That's right. That'd be great if his name was Clifford Tang. Yeah, I know, because they're like, "Oh man, we gotta name it Wu Tang." Yeah, but but All that's right. not that's not the origin story right. of how they got their that was name. Pretty good. Next one, who is not an original member of the Wu Tang Clan? Um, I can tell. Are you, are you gonna give me options? Yes, I'm, I'm gonna either say Master Killer or Capadonna. Those are the two that. Oh my like goodness! All right. So, okay, so mass mass killer. Master killer. Master killer. But this, my choices were, ODB, Noodles, Ghostface, or Capadonna. I mean, Capadonna is not an original member, but I don't know who Noodle. Who's Noodles? Uh, that was a fake name. Yeah. So. <laughs> Capadonna and Noodles are not original members. I but feel Master like Master Killer isn't. I like the new members are Capadonna and Master Killer. I feel like there was a Noodles and Offspring, but anyway, that's totally different. All right. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Capadonna did not appear until Raekwon's 1995 album, Only Built for, for Cuban, Cuban Links. Links, well after their 1993 album. Okay. Next question. All Wu-Tang members go by numerous aliases when they rap. Okay. Method Man has Johnny Blaze and Hot Nichols. Ghostface has Tony Starks and Iron Man. But what is You God's most used moniker? Is it Bobby Digital, Golden Arms, Fifth Brother, or Osiris? Hmm. The only ones that sound familiar to me are Golden Arms and Osiris. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like ODB talking more about ISIS and Osiris and stuff. I would say, I don't know. I mean, Bobby Digital is obviously RZA. Yeah. And then I'd say Golden Arms. You God doesn't like, you know, he doesn't get as many nicknames as the other members. I don't really... Right. I guess I'll say Golden Arms. He, like, I've never listened to, like, his, you know, like, solo projects. Mm-hmm. When Like, I, I, I have to he- hear an instance when they uh, refer to him as something else. But, like, all right. Okay. I'm going to say Golden Arms, but I, I it's probably wrong. The correct answer is Golden Arms. Okay. So, not really a well-known member, Golden Arms is the nickname on the inside of the CD booklet for the U.S. release, Wu-Tang Forever. Okay. On the song Gravel Pit, you can hear him rap, I'm the kid with the golden arms. Oh, I'm the kid with the golden arms. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He calls himself golden arms because everything he touches turns to gold, of course. A metaphor for him making every song he's on better. Osiris is ODB's moniker. 
The Told fifth you. brother is Inspector Deck. I, n- I I never I never heard Inspector Deck called the fifth brother either. Yeah, these, I remember these that. are deep cuts. These are real deep cuts. Yeah, no, I, I, Bobby Digital's RZA. ODB and Osiris, but yes. Okay. So that's the game. You did really. You did great. All right. Yeah, I like Wu Tang. Yeah. I'm not like Wu Tang's for Wu-Tang, the children. I'm not a Wu Tang completist. Wu Tang's for the children. A lot of a lot of these records, like I never had on CD. I don't think I had Wu Tang Forever on CD. I think I might have downloaded it. I have it on in my iTunes. But yeah. So so. Anyways, that was fun. Yeah. It was a good one. Yeah. What's making you happy this week? Um, that Wu Tang quiz. Uh, <laughs> That's making me happy. I don't know. I played, I played some good music this yeah. week. I got to sit in with a really cool band nice. called Brain Story, and that uh-huh. was fun. That was like the funnest thing that I did all week. Check out Brain Story. And we, and we kind of went um, We went down to see Fishbone kind of from afar. We oh, got my God. We got tickets, but yeah. it, was, it, was, it was kind of a tough scene, and we yeah. got there a little late. And uh, we were this okay really nice there, guy right? gave me some free tickets to see the, what was it called, the SoCal Hoedown. Yeah. Down in Pedro. So yeah. that was fun. I don't know. I had a really nice weekend with uh, my wife, Colette, whose podcast this is. Yes. And that's uh, what's making me happy. Same. That was good. And then we had ice cream. Yeah. Good times. All right. So thank you. Uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Yomi Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. Bye.